Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Today, I have the privilege and the honor of speaking on a topic that is close to my heart. And I'm really excited about this um, because I've been studying it for, for a little while now. And the reason I've been studying it for a little while is because my whole Christian life growing up in church, I always heard this term, And it's like everyone knew what it was and everyone understood it. But here I am going, what does that even mean? And what I'm talking about is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. That's going to be the title of this message. That's going to be the theme. And um, I just really believe that this is essential stuff for Christians to understand what is the kingdom of heaven? What does it look like? What does it mean to walk in it? What does it mean to carry it and then be extending it in my own life? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to start off by going to Matthew chapter 4. Who's got their physical Bible here? Zach Hooper. Fantastic. Everyone else, feel free. If you're on your phone, you can go find it on your phone or you can just look at the screen behind me. And I'm going to read a little passage to you here. And it's an encounter between the Son of God, Jesus, our Messiah, our Saviour, who we love so much, and the enemy, the enemy of our soul, the devil. Who here really hates the devil? I think it's okay to hate one person, the devil. Um, So it's an encounter between Jesus and the devil. And what I find really interesting about this is that when Jesus was first baptised, he was led into the wilderness. Like he didn't just go out there and decide to go to the wilderness. This will be fun. 40 days fasting, 40 nights, you know, being tempted by the devil. Awesome, let's do it. It actually says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And I find that fascinating that the Holy Spirit will take us into places that we don't want to go. I'm not sure that Jesus was too excited about going into the desert and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and being tempted by the devil. But the Holy Spirit took Jesus there because there was a purpose in it. So maybe today, maybe you're in a wilderness season. Maybe you are. And, and I think that sometimes we can throw th- go through tough times, but often it's preparation for something that God has coming up. Yeah. So I just want to encourage anybody here today that if you're going through a really tough time like, and it feels like a wilderness season, and honestly, like you, you're just doing your best and you're trying to follow Jesus, I just want to encourage you and say that I reckon the Holy Spirit is doing something in you and there's going to be great things that come from it. So let me read from verse 8, and this is what it says. This is the third temptation. It says, Again, the devil took him, that is Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Can you imagine it? Like all of the kingdoms of the world, everything the world has to offer, Satan is showing Jesus all of it. And it goes on to say that he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So if Jesus falls down and worships Satan, apparently he's going to get all of the kingdoms of the world. That's the temptation. How does Jesus respond to this temptation? Classic Jesus. He says, be gone, Satan. Has anyone ever said that before? Be gone, Satan. I've never heard a Christian say that before. I'm not sure I've really said it like that before. Just be careful. If you're going to start doing that, just be aware of who's around you. Like if you're in the shopping center, it could be a bit weird. Um, so he says, be gone, Satan. He says, for, um, it says, um, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I love that. Um, has anyone here ever tried to lose weight before and failed? Like tried to start a diet and it didn't really work out the way you wanted it to. Okay, I'm going to wait for a bit more honesty here at Bright Church. I'm just going to wait a little while. There we go, there we go. So if you, if you know me, um, you will know this to be true. Over the past couple of years, 
Um, I've said many times to people that I'm going to try and lose like five kilograms. And the reason I want to lose five kilograms is because I believe that is what is necessary to attain the elusive six pack. Okay, so that's the goal. Um, so I really want to lose this weight. And one of the reasons is for a long time growing up, I was always like the lean person and I, and I really liked that. And in my early 20s, I had this, this body that I kind of look back on and I'm like, I wouldn't, wouldn't be bad having that. Like sometimes as you get older, you look back and you're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having that body again, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't mind it. So, so I'd like that. There's, there's just one problem, everybody. I love food. It's like the older I'm getting, the more I'm just really appreciating God's gift to humanity, food. And a lot of the foods I really love are the terrible ones for you. And I'm just loving them more and more and more. So on one hand, I have this goal weight that I would love to be. But then over here, there is this love for food that I have in my life. And what I've realized is sometimes in life, there's this saying, it goes, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like sometimes you need to make a decision between one of them. And at the moment, my love for McDonald's, I'm just going to say it. It's almost like this thing you can't say. Like once you reach 20, it's not cool to have McDonald's anymore. It's not even cool to like it. You can't say it. Keep it on the down low. Oh, I'm saying it. I like McDonald's. Who here likes McDonald's? Come on. Yeah, it's amazing. So I love bad foods. I love the idea of a good body, but I love bad foods more for the moment. So I'm always choosing that. Therefore, I'm not losing weight. Um, so in this temptation, the third temptation, Jesus is being put in a similar type of situation. What Satan is doing is he's showing Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world. And he's saying, hey, you can have all of these if you just bow down and worship me. But Jesus is smart. And he understands that if he chooses the kingdoms of the world, it will mean forfeiting the kingdom of heaven that he is supposed to come and establish here on earth. Now, just like Satan tempted Jesus with things of this world, he does the same thing with us all the time. So Satan will tempt us with things of this world. And unlike Jesus, maybe we're not smart enough to realize that when we choose a lot of those things, what we're doing is we are giving up some of our responsibility to be people who carry the kingdom of heaven and extend the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes you just can't have both. You can't be carrying the kingdom and extending the kingdom and at the same time, um, just dining on all of the pleasures that the world has to offer. You need to make a choice. And Jesus understood that. This topic is very, very important, this topic of the kingdom of heaven. Because as Christians, if you're here today, you would call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Guess what? You're supposed to be someone who carries the kingdom and extends the kingdom. It's your purpose. It's what you're here to do. But so often we choose the things of the world over that. I realize that for me all the time, I do this all the time. So the focus today is going to be honing in on what is the kingdom of heaven? What does it look like? How do I embody it? And then how do I extend it? Does that sound good? Fantastic. Because what I've come to understand is that if you want to walk in something, you've got to have at least a bit of an understanding of that thing. So let's learn about the kingdom of heaven. And here's the first thing we need to understand. The kingdom of heaven currently coexists with the kingdom of darkness. So let me go to Matthew chapter 13 and read the parable of the weeds where we find this out. And this is what Jesus says. He says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. 
And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. And this part's really important here. Let both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time i will tell the reapers gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned but gather the wheat into my barn so this parable talks of the current happenings and the final consummation of the kingdom of heaven the sower the one who sows the seed that represents the son of god that represents jesus now the seed that grows into the wheat what does that represent that represents people who've accepted the gospel They've accepted that message of salvation and they have a relationship with Jesus, a saving relationship with Jesus. That's what the wheat represents. But then there's also an enemy who comes in and sows seed and that grows up into wheat. So what does weed represent? That represents people or people groups who have said no to the gospel, who have said no to Jesus. Now, this is a really interesting thing and it can be quite confronting because Jesus goes on literally to say in this parable that there's going to be a harvest time. And the harvest is a time, it hasn't happened yet, the day of the Lord when Jesus will return. Jesus is coming. Come on, is he not coming? He is coming. And when he comes, there's going to be a separation between the wheat and the weed. And Jesus says that the wheat will be gathered into his barn. So people who know, have a saving relationship, authentic relationship, they really know Jesus, they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour, they will be gathered and they will spend eternity in the presence of God. New creation, new earth, phenomenal. It's going to be the best. Who's excited? Come on. No, guys, this is exciting stuff. This is exciting. Um, But on the other hand, Jesus goes on to say that the weed, that will be gathered and burned. And that represents an eternity outside of God. So this is a pretty intense parable. Like Jesus doesn't shy away from telling it as it is. But I love that about Jesus. He doesn't leave us wondering. And some of the truths that we need to take out of this, here's the first one, is that we actually get to choose if we're wheat or weed. How cool is that? Like salvation is a gift that we receive through faith. So having a relationship with Jesus, it's something that we choose to do. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you get to choose, you get to accept Him. Salvation, it's through faith, right? it's It's a grace thing and that is fantastic. So I know for me, the reason that I have a relationship with Jesus is because Jesus, He sought me, He found me and I accepted that gospel message. We choose if we're wheat or weed and I love that about God. But here's the other thing, the wheat and the weed, it's growing together. Now when Jesus spoke of a weed, He was referring to a type of weed, most likely called darnel grass. Now, we don't get this straight away when we're reading, unless your Bible has a little number on weed and you go down the bottom and it says, probably referring to darnel grass. And the reason that's important is because darnel grass, guess what? It looks really similar to wheat. Very similar. And it's only once the wheat and the weed have reached maturity that it's easy to tell the difference. So Jesus wanted to make that point really clear to people. He's saying that sometimes there needs to be a waiting period to really find out who's authentic and who isn't. So that's a really, really important thing to remember here. 
Now, because the wheat and the weed are growing together, they represent different kingdoms. You have the kingdom of heaven, you have the kingdom of darkness. And guess where, um, the, where this is all happening here today? That's happening on earth. So guess what? On earth, you have these two kingdoms together. So that's why it feels like a bit of a war zone sometimes. Has your life ever felt like you're in the middle of a war zone? This is normal, right? That's why there is opposition in your life. You're going to get opposition from people, from government, from all different types of things. Sometimes it feels like the whole world is working against you, but that's because we're in the middle of a war zone. We have the wheat, we have the weed growing together. Now that should actually be encouraging to you because it's all a part of God's sovereign plan. So it should actually really encourage us. So that's the first thing we learn about the kingdom of heaven. So in the parable of of the weed, we get this insight into the current happenings and the final consummation of the kingdom of heaven. The next insight into the kingdom of heaven addresses people's often incorrect expectations of God. Um, who knows that sometimes we can have the wrong expectations? Yeah, we, we have our own thoughts about how things maybe should happen or should be done, but then God, He's got other plans. <laughs> and it happens often. And this is the revelation. It is the kingdom of heaven can seem actually underwhelming if we don't see the bigger picture. Sometimes the kingdom of heaven can seem underwhelming if we don't see the the bigger picture. In Matthew 13, 31 to 32, this is what Jesus says. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. A mustard seed is a very small seed, smaller than most plant seeds. But as the mustard tree grows, it's actually a type of plant and it becomes bigger than most plants, 2.4 to 3.7 meters tall. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven, it can start off small, but it grows big. And this is a big deal to the people that Jesus is talking to because they had expectations of how the promised king, the promised Messiah, the son of David, how he would arrive and what he would do. They were expecting someone to show up in power with might, probably had really awesome like fighting skills and stuff, lots of resource, lots of money. They were expecting someone to come and like start a a, uh, a revolution, or I'm not sure if that's a, the, the right word, um, but to start a movement that overthrows the Roman Empire and, and just like all of a sudden um, the Jewish people are overtaking the world. That's kind of maybe in their heads what they were expecting. But instead, they got this meek, humble man called Jesus, born in a manger, in a manger in Bethlehem, grows up in Nazareth. Now, there's a point here where I was going to compare Nazareth to a current suburb in Melbourne. But I realized probably not smart because I'll probably end up offending some people. Um, so there was nothing special about Nazareth. This Jesus person who showed up, he didn't come as they expected. And so often the kingdom of heaven operates and shows up in our lives, just not the way we're expecting. But what we need to understand is that over time, if we take a bigger picture approach and we, and we look back on our lives and what God has done, often he's moved in far greater ways than we could have possibly ever known at the time. So in the moment when you're going through life, sometimes you can think, gosh, God, where are you? Why aren't you moving? What's going on? But the reality is, is God sees things differently to how you see things. And sometimes it takes time to look back and really see how much God has done and how much God has moved. You know, even though Jesus just came as a single man and he had these, um, single man, (laughs) he was a single man, um, 
But what I mean is he came just as one man preaching this message of the kingdom of heaven. And that got into the hearts of 12 people. Started off very small, right? And even when Jesus died, a lot of people scattered. Not many people were really devoted to him. But then over the course of 2,000 years, look what has happened. The whole world knows of Jesus. Most of the civilized world has heard of the gospel message. It goes to show that sometimes it takes time for the kingdom of heaven really to move and to see its grandness and bigness. So my encouragement to you today is this. If you feel as though God isn't moving a heap in your life right now, take courage, take heart, keep going. Because often it's looking back, you realize that God is moving and he's done some really big things. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever owned something valuable and not realized it? Anybody? I think sometimes we can have really valuable things in our life, but be completely oblivious to this. When I was younger, I owned Pokemon cards. Anyone here currently own Pokemon cards? No. Awesome. We don't need to do deliverance. Fantastic. Ah, joking, joking. Um, So I owned Pokemon cards when I was younger. I love them. Um, I think (laughs) the first time I was ever really tempted um, to steal was probably around the time when Pokemon cards were a big thing. Man, I coveted those things. It was not good. Um, I was about 10 years old and I was collecting Pokemon cards. I loved them, but I forgot about them as I got older. I just stored them away somewhere until a few years ago. All of a sudden, I started to realize that these Pokemon cards that I didn't think were that big of a deal, all of a sudden, they're like getting valuable, guys. Like some of the good Pokemon cards, the holographic ones, first generation, they can be worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So all the mums and dads in the room today, some of your kids' stuff, it could be valuable one day. So maybe just hold on to it. Maybe not true. I don't know. But Pokemon cards, they became valuable. And when I realized this, I went back to my parents' place and I started searching for my Pokemon cards. And I searched and searched. I couldn't find them anywhere. So what do you do when you can't find something? You yell out to mum, exactly. So I yelled out to mum, just like when I was 10. And um, I had a conversation with her, very direct conversation. I said, mum, where are my Pokemon cards? And she said, I don't know where they are. Where'd you last leave them? I don't know, it was like 10 years ago. (laughs) But what I think happened is that my mum, she can throw stuff out, right? Mums can throw stuff out if you're not using it, um, if you're just, you know, leaving it around. And I think that's what happened with my Pokemon cards. And what I've come to realize is, man, it can be so devastating when you own something valuable, when you have something valuable, but you're totally oblivious to it in your life. It's devastating when we take the most valuable things in our life for granted. And we do this. And we do this with the thing that matters most. And that is our relationship, God. That is our salvation. We can take it for granted. The kingdom of heaven is infinitely valuable. And it's also hidden in plain sight. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. How phenomenal. Like you stumble across God, you, you have an encounter with him and He's kind of arranged your life for that to happen. It's pretty phenomenal. And then you experience salvation and you're in this relationship. And and Jesus is saying that nothing else on earth compares to that. It is so phenomenal. It is so amazing that it is worth giving up everything for. 
in this illustration, um, Jesus doesn't say that the man stumbled across the treasure and then was like, oh, this is pretty good. Then he went and checked his bank account and tried to figure out if he could afford it. And then kind of over the course of a few years, made a decision, oh yeah, maybe I'll go for it. No, Jesus is saying, when this person stumbled across the kingdom of heaven, when they stumbled across the message of Jesus, they sold everything. They gave everything away because nothing else matters in life when you have revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And like when we start off our relationship with God, it can start that way, I think, but then we can kind of drift from it over time. So I think we need to be careful. Like we start off our relationship with Jesus and like Jesus is everything. We're serving, we're on all the teams, we're going to small group, we're, we're doing it all. You know, we're coming down for prayer every single week, even if we don't need it, just because we want an account of God. You know, everything's going on. But then over time, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of just drift a bit. You feel like, eh, yeah, I'm saved. My relationship with God is pretty good. And, but that's actually, if that's happening, it actually means that we're starting to take for granted the most important thing in our life. And that is our relationship with Jesus. So we've got to start to really valuable this infinitely valuable thing, the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus were talking to, when he was talking to the crowd 2,000 years ago, they understood this parable a little bit better than we did. Because back then for banks, guess what they used to do? They used to go dig a hole, put their treasure in there, covered it up in a field. Like that was their version of a bank. And that's why this parable made sense to them. We read it and like, why would someone go measure something really valuable in a random field and walk away? Um, but it's because that's what banks looked like for them back in the day. So I'm very happy that we've progressed past this because most of the time I can't remember where I park my car. So I'm very happy uh, that this is no longer a thing that we do or else I would be a very poor man. Um, but it goes to show that sometimes this really valuable thing, the kingdom of heaven, it's actually hidden like in plain sight. Sometimes it takes a little bit of digging. When you read the scriptures, you understand that Jesus often talks about this seeking and finding. You know, he says, seek me and you'll find me. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So when I reflect on that, I realize that if there is a lacking of the kingdom of heaven in my life, maybe it's because I'm not seeking him the way that I maybe should be. Maybe I've stopped drawing near. Because sometimes you've got to seek, you've got to draw near. And that is the picture of digging. And that is how you access more of the kingdom of heaven in your life. You may have noticed that I skipped a parable between the parable of the sower and the parable of the treasure. You know, I did this for a reason. I did it because I think, honestly, I do think that this parable... And at the heart of this parable, the message of this parable could be a word for people here today. Um, and you, you're going to know if this is for you, if right now, honestly, you feel as though your heart, it's a bit broken. Like you've just gone through stuff and you just feel like you're in a, a bit of a dark place. And, you know, we'll sing him before about the light of God. And, and yes, you know, God is light and he comes and he does amazing things, but you know, right now, maybe you just feel like your heart, it's a little bit broken. You feel a little bit far from God. You feel a little bit flat. You just find yourself in this really difficult, difficult season. If that is you, listen into this parable because it is super encouraging what Jesus says. But so often we miss this truth when we're reading it. So we find it in Matthew 13, 33. 
And this is what Jesus says. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Now, back in the day when I read that verse, it was like, okay, that's a very short verse about the kingdom of heaven. I don't really get it. I'm just going to move on. And, um, but there is some great truth here. And let me just quickly explain a few things. So leaven, if you've got no idea what it is, just think of it as yeast. So when yeast gets into dough, the yeast spreads throughout the dough until the dough is fully filled with the yeast. Um, and the reason this is important for making bread is because yeast, it's a raising agent. Okay, so you can't make bread without it. So Jesus is saying, he's comparing the leaven to the kingdom of heaven. He's saying when the kingdom of heaven gets into something, it spreads throughout all of that thing, or at least it's supposed to spread throughout all of that thing. So the leaven represents the kingdom of heaven and the dough, one way of looking at the dough is thinking of the dough as the world. And that makes sense when we think about the mustard seed parable, because when Jesus came, it was just one man, right, with the message of the kingdom of heaven. But then over time, that message has spread throughout the whole world. It, it, it's, it's overtaken all of the dough, all of the world, right, to this day. But if we stop there, we're missing out on something more profound here. Because the dough doesn't just represent the world. It also represents our hearts, the hearts of people. What Jesus is saying is that when the kingdom of heaven gets into your heart, it takes over all of your heart. But here's the thing about leaven spreading in dough. It requires soft dough. Leaven can't spread in hard dough, just like the kingdom of heaven can't spread in a hard heart. And that is the message that Jesus is trying to get across here. And this is so significant. Like this is so important. Have you ever wondered why so many people just seem to reject Jesus or just, it's just too hard for them to believe? A lot of the time, it's a heart thing. It's a hardness of heart thing. Christians, we are supposed to be the most humble people on earth because we have soft hearts. And it's because we have a soft heart that Jesus was allowed to get in and move within us. Now, this is, a, this is what I've learned about soft hearts. Unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of the time, if a heart has become hard, one of the only ways for there to be a shift and for the heart to become soft again, sometimes it requires breaking of the heart. In my own personal journey with Jesus, it was at my lowest point when my heart was broken that was the catalyst for Jesus becoming more real for me than he had ever been. And I didn't realize it then, but now I realize it's because my heart was open. It was soft enough to receive the kingdom of heaven. So if you're here today and your heart is broken, I just want to encourage you and say this could be exactly what your faith needs. Now I'm not saying that God deliberately just breaks people's hearts, like, yeah, break your heart. And now, now I'm going to come and make everything better and you're going to have a really close relationship with me. I'm, I'm not saying that because, you know, we're supposed to relate to God like a father to a son, like a father to a daughter. And that's not, I don't think that's the way God operates. But I am saying that our God is so awesome, that He is so incredible, that what the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. So the enemy can throw stuff at us and we can go through stuff in our life that breaks our heart, but then God has the final say. 
and God will come and He will come into our hearts because they're broken and He will start to do something new. He'll start to do something fresh and then all of a sudden the kingdom of heaven will be in us and we'll have a more intimate, more close relationship with Jesus than we've had for a long time. So if you're here today, you have a broken heart, I just want to encourage you, in a few years' time, looking back, you could realize that that was the catalyst for a move of the kingdom of heaven in your life. Is everyone going good? Come on. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed. It's like a mustard seed. It's like treasure hidden in a field. It's like leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like all of these things. And now, cautiously, I'm going to provide a definition for what the kingdom of heaven is. Because I notice in a lot of this, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like that. It can be compared to this. And if we look between the lines here and we study scripture, we can come up with a good definition for the kingdom of heaven. And this is one that I'm going to give to you today. So the kingdom of heaven, are you ready? Is wherever Jesus is reigning. So the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is reigning. That word kingdom that is used in the New Testament, um, in Greek, it is Basilia in Aramaic, translated to Melkut, and that word means reign. When people think kingdom, often they think place, but that's not the case here. So when people think the kingdom of heaven, they can think, oh, you know, I'm stuck on earth. This is the worst. But then one day, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to be with God in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven. But that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong thinking because the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is reigning. And where does Jesus reign? In the hearts of his people. In the hearts of people. And what do we call someone who has a heart that Jesus is reigning in? We call that person a Christian. A Christian. That is who we are supposed to be. People who have hearts surrendered to Jesus. People where Jesus is reigning in our hearts. And what is the result of that? It's a changed world. When Jesus is reigning in our hearts, we see a physical manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on the outside. So throughout history, some phenomenal things have happened. And these are the outworkings of the kingdom of heaven. It all started with people surrendering their hearts to Jesus and letting Jesus reign in their hearts. And let me read through some of them. I love this part because this stuff, it's stuff to get excited about. And you're going to know what I mean when I start reading it. So first off, women's rights. Women, get excited. Come on. Okay. Women's rights. Did you know that Christianity gave women freedom and dignity uncommon in all other cultures? Also, children's rights. So Jesus instituted a revolutionary standard that children are people, not property. Slavery. Christians were the first people to systematically fight against slavery practices. Democratic rule. The freedom to vote. A Christian thing. Schools, hospitals, orphanages, elderly care, even our enemy, science. All of these things. All of these things are a result of the move of Christianity. The result of people surrendering their heart to Jesus and letting Jesus reign in their hearts. And because of that, the kingdom of heaven was in them and it started to move outside of them. There is this awesome quote, I love it. It says, No other cultural influence, no other social movement, no other teaching, philosophy or religion has done more to promote the well-being of more people than Christianity. Than Christianity. That is our calling, that is our purpose, to be people who make a difference in this world. You know, the task of extending the kingdom of God, it can seem overwhelming at first. 
Like someone comes, asks you, what do you do? What's your purpose? I'm, I, I extend the kingdom of God. Like, geez, okay. It can seem overwhelming. Like they, these things like that have changed the world, schools, hospitals, all of this, you know, that started with people, but it didn't start with someone waking up in the morning and going, hey, I'm going to start a, I'm going I'm to make a hospital. I'm going to start a movement where people learn and they, they are prepared to have jobs in life. I'm going to start schools. Like, I don't think people woke up in the morning thinking that way. I think they woke up and just decided that they're going to let Jesus reign in their hearts. And this is what happens when we do that. So the task of extending God's kingdom, it can seem overwhelming, but it's actually pretty simple and it starts with this. Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know how we can be people who carry the kingdom and extend the kingdom? Tell us. Okay, I will. So we must forfeit the world and let Jesus reign in our hearts. We must forfeit the world and let Jesus reign in our hearts. It is that straightforward. You know, the third temptation, what did Jesus do? He forfeited the world. He said no to the kingdoms of world and he said yes to God and what God wanted to do through him. We need to say no to the world. So often we are saying yes to the things of this world. And because of that, it's impacting how the kingdom of heaven can move in our hearts and then extend throughout of us. We can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't do both. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew 3.2, John the Baptist, he came saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, when he started his ministry, what was the message that he preached? Well, it says in Matthew that he came preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, so put away the things of the world, say no to the kingdoms of the world, and then you're going to experience the kingdom in your life. You can't have both. We need to make a decision. So my question to you is simply this. What is ruling in your heart today? Honestly, when you reflect on yourself and your life, what is ruling in your heart? Because if it is Jesus, if He is ruling in your heart, if He is reigning in your heart, then that is awesome because guess what? You are carrying the kingdom of heaven. You're carrying the kingdom. But maybe you're not sure today where you're at and whether Jesus is really reigning. So if you're in this situation, you've got to ask yourselves these three questions. The first one is this, where are your passions at? What are you passionate about? People who have Jesus reigning in their hearts, guess what? They're really passionate about Jesus. They're really in love with God. They're really in love with people. They're passionate about the things of God. They really are. But if you're not really passionate about the things of God at the moment, you've got to ask yourself the question, is Jesus really reigning in my heart? The next thing is your words. What, what's coming out of your mouth? How do you speak to people? Because Jesus says what comes out of our mouth, it reflects what's going on in here. You know, the mouth speaks and whatever comes out of the mouth is just reflecting what's in the heart. Sometimes you... You can't, you can't help it. If you're full of Jesus, guess what's going to be coming out of your mouth? Yeah. Loving, loving stuff, Jesus, positivity, you know, selfless words. But if Jesus isn't reigning in your heart, what's going to be coming out of your mouth is going to be probably more negative stuff. Um, maybe you're going to be um, maybe harboring a bit of bitterness and maybe that could be coming out of your mouth. What comes out of our mouth, it reflects what's happening in our heart. So we need to take stock and realize, hey, what is coming out of my mouth? The next thing is your work, your behavior. 
Do your actions reflect someone who really loves people? Because people who have Jesus reigning in their heart, just like Jesus, they're selfless. They love people more than they love themselves and their actions show this. So do your actions, do your behaviours, do they reflect a person who is selfless? And maybe if they don't, maybe if it's not where you would like it to be, maybe it's just because there's a heart thing happening at the moment. Maybe Jesus isn't fully reigning in your heart the way that he really wants to. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to invite everyone to stand. And we have the worship team here and we're about to go into worship very soon. But what I want to do is honestly give people an opportunity just to say, you know what? Like right now today, I don't really think Jesus is fully reigning in my heart. And I use that word fully deliberately because I think it's possible to be a follower of Jesus, um, to believe in Jesus, to have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour. And yet He may today not be fully reigning in your heart. And when you reflect on your life, you may be seeing that, hey, there isn't much of God happening. There, there aren't many moves of God in my life at the moment. I seem to be going through a really dry, extended period. And maybe the reason for that is simply just because you're not really allowing Jesus to reign in your heart. So I just want to give people an opportunity to go, you know what, God? I don't, I don't think I'm allowing you to reign in my heart the way that you want to. I don't think I've fully surrendered everything to you. I think I'm saying yes to a lot of things in this world and saying no to other things that you have for me. God, I, I may be in that place at the moment. So if that's where you're at, I'm going to pray. And all you got to do, just raise your hand, just to assign to God, not, not to me or anyone here at Bright Church, but it's just a thing between you and God. It's a personal thing. You're just saying, God, this is where I'm at. This is where my heart's at. And today I'm making a decision that I'm going to pursue you with all that I have. I'm going to forfeit the things of the world in order to be someone who carries the kingdom and extends the kingdom. So if you want to be that person, I'm going to pray. And all you've got to do, put up your hand, a moment between you and God. Father, I thank you so much that you would use us and partner with us to, to do incredible things here on planet earth and God I pray for people right now who are recognizing that in their heart of hearts they're maybe not fully surrendered to you and God they're holding on to things and they're recognizing that you know maybe their passions their words their behaviors are reflecting that maybe they're not really all in the way that you want them to be and God I pray that you would just encourage them right now God, I pray that you would just show up in their life, Father. I pray that they would have revelation and realise that the things that you have, the things of the Kingdom of Heaven, so far outweigh the junk and the stuff that this world has to offer. God, I pray for that revelation for people. God, I pray that a humility would just sweep through this room. God, that we would just meekly come before you and say, God, we want more of you. And we would just lay our lives down, that we would just lay the stuff down that's maybe been a burden, that's been a blockage to experiencing more of you. God, I pray right now in this moment that we would all just start to lay things down. 
God, and I pray that as we do that, that you would just come, that you would fill us up. And Father, I pray that there would be a grace to walk in this purpose, this calling, to be people who carry the kingdom and extend the kingdom. God, we pray for your blessing right now. We pray for your presence in this this place because we're about to go into worship, God, and we pray that in this worship, that there would just be a flooding of your presence, that you would just show up and there would be almost like a cleansing of our spirits, of our souls, God, and that we would just leave today feeling so fresh, so in, feeling so full of you. You are so good, God. We love you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.